Hello, this is Aaron Eckhart, and you are listening to Center Stage with Mark Gordon, the beautiful one and only Mark Gordon. Center Stage, Center Stage, Center, Center, Center Stage. Center Stage. Welcome to Center Stage. My name is Mark Gordon. Scott Wilson's career as an actor spanned over five decades. It all began in 1967 when he was cast in the Oscar-winning film In the Heat of the Night. Here's an interview I did with Scott Wilson back in 2017. Did you always want to be an actor? I never thought about it, actually, uh, when I was younger. But when I was uh, 19, I was playing basketball at a school called Southern Tech. They've changed the name of it a couple of times since then. But... but, uh, I got hepatitis. I was in the at Georgia Tech Infirmary, and when I they said I couldn't play basketball anymore, and so I, and if I had a relapse, it would be fatal. It, it was a little dramatic, but I said, "Well, I think I want to see some of the world." So I hitchhiked out here, and ended up in an acting class, and stayed with it. I found out I loved it. Okay. I, I I actually was I hate to say this, but I got drunk and ended up in an acting class. The hmm. teacher said, "I don't know what your problem is. Don't come back to my class drunk." So I went back the next week and apologized to him. And he gave me a monologue to do from a Eugene O'Neill one-act play called "A Long Voyage Home." And for some reason, I went back the next week and did the monologue. And and uh, I said, "This is it." I felt that I could do no wrong. I felt that, that that I was in a bubble, that I was in this glow that could that would be that was just I, I, I couldn't do anything wrong. It mm-hmm. felt like this was where I belonged. This is what I should be doing. This is this is it's just it's all of those things. So then I realized that I had to start the process of learning how to access those those uh, feelings that I had and how to access the 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 uh, skills that you need in order to to become better and better. And, and so I've been trying to learn how to do it ever since. Is it always a, a work in progress? I mean, the career, the... The, the different films? Well, I, I think it's always a pursuit. Mm-hmm. You're always pursuing something, the next role, the, the uh, how to approach it, how to get, land a role. It's, it's, you know, it isn't a sprint. If you, it's kind of a long-distance race. There are always people who, who uh, come to town and... and try to make a career out of this industry is a very you know you don't think of it as an industry when you're a young person you it's it's your dreams you're looking at the sky you come out to be uh you're looking up at the stars and you're wanting to i think i i was as i said earlier i was fortunate that i didn't come out here to pursue that but i fell in love with it first after I was here and I really I never thought that I would make a living as an actor 
No, I almost didn't. But <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> no, I'm I'm kind of teasing, but or kidding. But the first check that I made doing a play was the importance of being earnest, and it was a past the hat pro production. And my mom had it hanging on her wall for fifty cents. So that's what each member of the cast got. So I still have my first paycheck as an actor. <laughs> but but uh, it, it's a great thing to be a part of if you, when you're when you're fortunate enough to work. I've seen actors in acting classes and doing plays that are wonderful actors that are just fantastic actors and you think this person is going to go you know just soar and take off and go places and be able you think that but then another huge part of of of, uh, of doing this is luck being in the right place at the right time and having the opportunity and because a lot of actors never have that opportunity and it, it's heartbreaking on the other hand, when you get that opportunity, be prepared because it may not come around again. I was lucky. I've got the opportunities. And I was fortunate that I had prepared. I had been acting, I think, for, for uh, about five and a half years when I got my first uh, film interview in the heat of the night. And I had dropped by to pick up a friend of mine to go play some baskets and his stepfather was there and he was on the phone talking to Lynn Stallmaster and he said just a second Lynn I have one more guy I want you to see and that was me so I got the interview uh, and I went in and gave a reading for Lynn Stallmaster and then he took me in to read for Norman and then I went in and read for Walter Mirisch and I thought I'd better get it because I don't know when I'll get another interview. <laughs> and I got the role. Can you imagine what it's like for a young actor to walk onto a set with with uh, Mr. Sidney Poitier and Mr. Rod Steiger? Oh, I know. Yeah. And to to be, I was totally awed by by the company that I was in. And Lee, how old were you at Lee that time? Grant. I was twenty four, but but. Uh, what what an amazing what an amazing situation that was to to be working with actors of that caliber Warren Oates was in the film uh, I mean just wonderful wonderful people to work with and and uh, Norman Jewison was just great to work with he was you know encouraging you and stroking you and making you feel better and then what what an amazing an amazing way to start out in this business working with with that group of people what did you learn from uh, Poitier and uh, and Steiger well one I didn't say much I <laughs> I uh, you know you learn by osmosis I guess you learn by being there you learn by working with exceptional people with with gifted people with people who know what they're doing you learn just by being with them i actually was was a little afraid to to uh 
to tell them what I was thinking about my role or what I how what I wanted to do with it. And I said, no, I can't say anything. I, you know, I, I'll just do it. And if there was a scene where uh, I come into the jail with the handcuffs on after they chase me through the woods and and uh, the sheriff catches me running across the bridge. And there's no dialogue there, but but uh, Mr. Portier is checking out my arms, which we find out later as he's trying to find out if I'm left-handed or right-handed. And after the scene, he turns to Norman. He says, Norman, get a close-up on this kid. I want the audience to see what I'm seeing. And Norman says, don't worry, Sidney, I am. <laughs> so it was... That was, you know, that that was really quite a. It was. It made me feel great inside to hear that. I didn't comment on it, but it made me feel great inside to hear it. The next film was in In Cold Blood, and how did that come about for you? As I found out later, I didn't know at the time, but but uh, but uh, Mr. Portier and Mr. Quincy Jones both had called Richard Brooks and said, "You got to see this guy." This is this is your guy, something like whatever they said, but they got me in the door, and so in essence, I'm indebted to both of them. I don't know how you pay that kind of debt back, but but unless you try to pass it on, if you have the opportunity. When I walked in the door for for uh, for in cold blood, it was really. It was is amazing because I walked in and there was a, the assistant director Tom Shaw. I went in to meet him first, and I walked in and there were maps and pictures all over the wall, and there there was an energy in the room that you knew this was a a serious undertaking. Uh, so Tom asked me if I'd read In Cold Blood, and I said no. And he couldn't believe it. He thought it was, you know. He said, well, tell, tell Brooks that when you talk to him. I said, what else am I going to tell him? And he said, oh, why didn't I read it before the audition? <laughs> well, I didn't really have time. I went directly from the set to Brooks's office, my last day of shooting on In the Heat of the Night. And, and uh, I was waiting for my agent to call me back because at one point uh, Mr. Portier asked me if I was up for in cold blood I said what's that so I didn't know and I asked my agent and he said how old are you how tall are you how much do you weigh blah 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 he says you're not right I forgot you're, about you're it. not right yeah I forgot about it. it took me five years to get an agent I thought they knew what they were talking about but but not to put him down but but uh Again, I mean, you you have entree from from Quincy Jones and and uh, Sidney Portier who were calling the director, and I believe Norman was allowing them to look at the dailies from in the heat of the night. So that was uh, a very generous thing for him to do. The first conversation I had with uh, with Richard Brooks, he says, "This is what I'm looking for," and he named seven or eight of the biggest stars in the history of film. And I said, you've got the wrong boy. Who did he name? Uh, I, you know, who were the biggest stars at that time? What, Paul Newman or? Paul Newman, Burt Lancaster. Uh, who, who, who but they the, would have been too old, though, right? 
Well, they would have been, but he's saying that's what he's looking for. He's looking for the the, the wattage, I guess, that these that these wonderful actors had. I ended up saying to him, "You have the wrong boy." I said, "I can't play one of those guys, let alone all of them." Yeah. So I went home and I read in cold blood. And I said, "What am I talking about? Of course I can play." <laughs> you're going. You're going. Okay. Felt, next time. Keep your mouth shut. Right, if he, if he's, right. Yes, sure, I can do Newman. I can do Paul Newman. Whatever makes you feel good. That was the first conversation. I, it, it started a process that lasted about six, seven weeks of going in and meeting him and doing different scenes and, and uh, ultimately leading to a screen test that uh, I guess cemented the deal that, that uh, got me the role. And did you... Did you did you read with Robert? I mean, was Robert Blake cast first, no. and then oh, he, he was ca- he was cast first. But I didn't. I had not met him until after we were cast. I didn't know he was in it until after I was cast. I got Robert Blake's autograph in East Point, Georgia, when I was about six years old, and he was playing Little Beaver at the time, Red Rider and Little Beaver. Oh yeah, wasn't he and a he little? Was, he was like Little Rascals, right? He, that was. Pr- after Little Beaver uh, was was after uh, the ra- Little Rascals, it was. Uh, but I got an autographed picture of him at that time. So when you knew he was in, when were you a little intimidated when you first uh, when you first started in Cold Blood? And do you use? I think I was more excited than intimidated. So do you use when you come onto a set like that? Do you use? those feelings of excitement and you translate them into into the line or how does that go for you well there is a lot of a lot of uh, prep goes into a role and you you do a lot of thinking and you're trying to figure out what is between the lines not really the lines and of course the lines lead you to to what is between the lines, but you're you're constantly thinking of of who who the character is you're playing, and then you at some point have to let it go and see if it if it flies. I wanted to play the character in a in a way that would would uh, keep people from liking him, but I wanted them to know that he was a human being, but a very flawed human being, in the worst kind of way. I remember very clearly thinking I would rather the film had never been made and the book had never been written and the murders had never taken place. Sure. Did you meet Capote? I did. Did he come on set? He came on set at the Clutter House. Uh, That's where the murder took place, right? Exactly. Brooks had a closed set and he opened it up for three days for the press to come in and uh, Truman came in with the press. So... That's when I met him, and we had a little conversation. We went out, and they took some pictures with us. And he was—he did an amazing job with that that book. I think one of the interesting things about about the about the book and the film is that what Capote captured was the ability to define two characters who combined 
their personalities combined and in essence created a third person outside themselves and it was that third person that committed the crimes and that I believe is what the miniature clinic said they and I believe if I remember correctly uh, Capote used that example in the book and I think he was it really is a a huge mark of his artistry that he was he was able to do that. What was the rehearsal process like working with Robert Blake and Brooks? You didn't have a copy of the script. You didn't. No. Well, he with would give you the scenes like a night before you shot them, or at the most like three days three days before you shot. The so scene. he didn't want you to be over rehearsed. He was concerned that the actors would play the result rather than the moment. I've interviewed some French directors, mm. and it's basically, there's no, it's, it's everything is now. There's nothing mm. before, nothing after. Well, that's acting. I mean, if you know the material or not, isn't it? I mean, while we may not have had the script, we had the book. A lot of roles, the rehearsal is the more interesting part of it. I mean, you're, you're doing, you're studying about things that you not, knew nothing about, and you're coming away with a little smattering of knowledge that makes you feel a little, uh, makes you feel good that you, you uh, have learned something new. You rehearse in Cold Blood, and then after you kind of assume the role of this character, and then you saw it on the screen... My reaction the first time I saw it, I had to go to the restroom and throw up. Oh, seriously? Yeah. Even though you knew? <laughs> Even though I knew. Was that, Even though I knew. Did you see it with an audience or was well. that? No, I saw uh, uh, Mr. Brooks had a screening for, for uh, me and Robert Blake. Oh, just the two of you? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. And he's, Robert Blake is so good in the film as well. And I think it's just the way they shot it. It's, it seems, it's so realistic. Mm. Well, it is. I mean, and that was uh, Brooks's call too, to shoot it in black and white. And I think if you were to make a film like that today, it would be, the emphasis would be all on the violence. But this was, uh, this was really more about, it was more of psychological it is. Brooks was an interesting director. He was very, he was volcanic. He, you knew that he was going to erupt at some point. You didn't know when. And he did. He, you mean he would yell at you? He, not just me. I mean, but at, at anyone, the head of the studio. I mean, anyone that he felt needed to be uh, taken to task, he would, he didn't hesitate to do it. But I, but you, after a while, you get, to, to understand that th there's an eruption coming up because you know that there's a scene coming up two or three days away that is uh, an important scene that, that so I started kind of I started being able to anticipate his eruptions but it was he was a very colorful character there was a would you like a little example yes please they were shooting a scene at the cafe in Holcomb, and this bird kept chirping. When he said action, a bird would start chirping. So they'd stop and try to shut the bird up. Action is start chirping again. Cut. The, the prop guy, Joe LaBelle, 
got a broom and tried to run it around, not hit the bird, but to scare him away. Well, action. He was come back and start chirping. He was an actor. He was an actor. (laughs) He couldn't stop. So Brooks goes over, looks up at the bird and hollers, You're ruining my movie! (laughs) The bird didn't say another, not a peep the rest of the day. Not a peep. I mean, he had this kind of control over (laughs) that was amazing well scott wilson thank you so much uh for uh for joining us this evening it's been a real pleasure thank you mark for more center stage visit stageandscreen.com don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and if you like the show let us know until next time this is mark gordon and i'll see you center stage Center stage, center stage, center, center, center stage. Center stage. Hello, this is Homer Simpson. Whenever I want to know what's going on in the entertainment world, I listen to Center Stage with Mark Gordon. <laughs>